0: Welcome to ESPN's The Far Post Podcast. We are back for another week and who boy, it has been a week. We have Matilda's squad, we have W League expansion, and we've got all our Aussies abroad. So let's crack straight into it with some you love to see it. Tara, do you want to kick us off with a you love to see it? I forgot to introduce us all, but that's okay. You'll learn who we all are throughout the course of this episode. Anna Harrington, please share
1: a you love to see it. Real choose-your-own-adventure. Skip forward (laughs) about 30 seconds if you want to hear Sam's first. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Anyway, please, go on. Uh, This is very predictable, but you love to see Sam Kerr getting off the mark this season in the FA WSL, her first start in her second game back for Chelsea against Everton. Uh, To be honest, it couldn't have been any easier. (laughs) There couldn't have been an easier way for her to get off the mark than literally getting past the ball by an Everton defender, which is what happened, Um, mix-up between Megan Finnegan and Sandy McKeever, the Everton goalkeeper, where Finnegan has not realised Sam Kerr's there, passed it to her, and Kerr's finished first time to make it 2-0, and then she's added another one later with just a classic bullet header from a brilliant Gururiton cross. Um, Sam Kerr scoring goals, hitting form early in the season. You love to see it. That first one, like taking
0: baby from a candy, to quote Andy Harper. But um, Angela Christian-Wilkes, please, Sherry, you love to see it.
2: you love to see Manchester City lose. I just, you, you know, <laughs> you wake up on a Monday morning, Mondays suck, you know, blah, blah, Garfield. And then you just, you know, open your phone and you see that they lost to Tottenham 2-1. And you may be thinking, Angela, didn't you say that Manchester City are going to get the title isn't it in your interest to be smug and correct when they do so but i'd much rather be smug and petty right now so yeah you'll have to say also i know it was like a bit of a controversial loss um but for the purpose of this segment we don't need to discuss that we can maybe we'll discuss it later maybe we'll just let me be happy Doesn't would not arguably would you... make it funnier <laughs> Yeah, actually, yes. It I mean, you can look at it with the perspective of like the state of refereed and the FAWSL and the broader structural issues and blah, blah, blah. But also Manchester City lost it. It's funny. And they lost to Spurs as well. So it's a whole thing. And I'm happy for Spurs fans. They needed something, you know, nice. Um, so yeah, you love to see it. City losing.
0: You're really showing off your range at the moment, darling. But um Samantha Lewis, please share you love to see it.
3: My, you'd love to say this week is not based in FAWSL news. It's based in Matilda's news. We saw the announcement of the 25 player squad for the upcoming friendly against Ireland. And three of the newest baby Tillies called into camp are young teens who have emerged through the NPL and through the W League. They are Winona Heatley. Jamila Rankin, and Remy Seamson, all of whom will be playing W League this season. They're all under the age of 22, and this is going to be just a, such an exciting experience for, for all three of them. I think that they they are the future of the Matildas in a lot of different ways, um, particularly Rankin and Heatley, who are currently playing for Brisbane Raw. They have huge wraps about them. Um, everyone is super excited to see what they can do, and it's really cool to see that Tony Gustafson and the, the larger Matildas staff are, are giving them these opportunities. So... Young players getting call ups to the women's national team. You love to see it. We do love to see
0: it, and we'll stick with the Matilda squad. It feels like it was announced ages ago, but that's just COVID time doing its thing. It was only earlier last week. So let's talk about this squad. We've got 25 players for the friendly against Ireland, few new faces, still lots of players returning from the Olympic squad, a couple of returnees. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know what I mean. Just lots... Lots of interesting decisions, but decisions that make sense. So I'd love for all of you to kind of talk about players that you are excited to see. Sam, obviously you're excited about the youngins. We'll get back to them in a bit. But Harold, who are you excited to see?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to see Angie Beard, former Melbourne Victory captain, current Fortuna hearing defender, get a call up. Um, I'll start by saying that Tony Gustafsson in his press conference after announcing the squad emphasised they wanted to bring in defenders. They wanted to test lots of defenders. So if you've seen, like you basically said, there were plenty of midfielders and attacking players. I think a few people are saying, oh, where's a Claire Wheeler, for example. This is a squad where they focused on bringing in fringe or untested defenders because clearly that's where we need to build depth. So that's just, I think, important to note right off the start. If you're wondering why it seems a lopsided squad, it's deliberate. So Angie Beard is one of these defenders, and I'm really excited Uh, Not only because I think she's earned it off the back of building her form consistently, her leadership at Melbourne Victory, taking the leap and moving overseas. She's done that twice in the past two years. But because of the type of player she is. We know her best, I think, for those sort of marauding runs down down the left wing as as a fullback. But she can play as a wingback. She can play as a traditional uh, left back. And what really excites me, especially... Um, when you look at the way the Matildas have structured up recently, she can play as a left-sided centre-back. She can play in a back three. I think that's what she's been doing in Denmark. We've seen her do it for Melbourne Victory in the past. Clearly, Tony Gustafsson sees a back three with athletic players um, as the best way forward. And this just seems a golden opportunity for her to make her mark. It is a, it's not a now or never, but there's never going to be a better opportunity. They've clearly picked Ireland as a opponent and Clearly, Tony didn't want to say this. They're not at the same level as um, some of the teams that we've been playing. They're not a top, te- top 10 team. They're number th- 33 in the world. Um, they'll pose a good challenge in terms of, I think, being organised, uh, being, uh, you know, they'll run all day is what Tony said. They'll really test us in that way, and it's a great opportunity to test some of these players. Andrew the one that excites me most because I think we need another left-sided player. That's clear by the fact they've pulled in Jamila Rankin as well. Um, And yeah, I I just think that if Beard can make an impression in this camp and then most importantly in this game, it just gives us another option because Courtney Nevin showed some things, but with Steph Catley, we prefer to get her up on that wing in wing back when we can. And if we have another player who can either play at left centre back or can go out onto onto that wing back role when they want Catley more inside, fantastic. So yeah, Angie Beard is a player I think I'm most excited to see. Jumping off the back of what I just said, um,
2: on, on the note of defence, I suppose, I'm excited to see, so Jenna McCormick and Emma Checker, they've defi- their names have definitely been circulated around the Matilda squad these past few years. Um, Emma Checker featured in the first set of friendlies earlier this year. What is time? Um, and Jenna McCormick obviously played last year as well. Or was it 2019? Who fucking knows? Um, anyway, obviously not a, a numbers brain on this gal. But anyway, my point is it's really exciting to see the fact that, you know, they're making moves that are, that are going to like push them forward and there's recognition of that as well. And it's not just like one and done. There's opportunities to come back in and prove yourself again. So that's really exciting to see and I, I appreciate that that seems to be a facet in what Tony is doing and how he approaches squad selection and also talent development as well. Um, Additionally, on that same sort of note as well, excited to see Amy Harrison. Actually, she was one of the um, names that missed out on the Olympics, sadly. Um, So, yeah, hoping we can see her get some minutes. I I think she was also in the squad for the... Was she in the, the squad for the second bout of friendlies this year? But then, see, Marissa knows it all. She's, she's nodding emphatically, giving me a little confidence boost. But, yeah, so Amy Harrison, really hoping to see her get some minutes. Um, Also, but notably missing Beatty Goat. Not sure what is up with that. Or if she's just in the wrong part
1: of the world right now. To Where is she? She's in, she's in Spain. So Spain. maybe just settling into a new club environment. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple that fall into that that boat like Alex Chidiak has just spent two Mm. weeks in quarantine to go join a club in Japan like I I know that often I see it with the soccerers as well they don't necessarily want to uproot players from clubs if they've just settled in or just done pre-season or are playing their first games because ultimately it'll be to their detriment if that causes them to fall out of favor or not get a sort of running start when they're at their new club so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple of players that fall into that category as well.
2: Yeah, oh, that's really good to know. I'm um, also very exciting. I didn't know this, but Emily Van Edmond has signed for Unattached FC. What's going on there? Good for her. You know, we were just wondering what she, what she was doing. Seems like she's signed on with some obscure little club in Europe. So thanks, Emily. That was so good.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't even have like some witty like add on to that that was just really good i'm really proud of you that was a good one
1: (laughs) right do do you think she'll enjoy playing with courtney nevin there angela hey (laughs) yeah
2: building those connections should be awesome Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway sam can you add something (laughs) of value (laughs) as always i turn to you (laughs)
3: plus I mean, I can only only repeat um, what I said a little bit earlier. I'm really, really excited to see some of these young players um, because we've seen what happens in the past when young players are given an opportunity, right? I think Tegan Micah is probably the best example of this most recently where she was thrown into that Sweden friendly uh, before the Olympics. She did incredibly well. And then she's basically just like earned the number one goalkeeper jersey off the back of that performance. So I think the players who have been called up, Heatley, Rankin, beard as well hara i think that's a good shout and and samson they're all capable of being able to take these kinds of opportunities we saw it happen as well with kara cooney cross and obviously with mary fowler during the olympics too so i mean jamila rankin is one that i i'm particularly fond of i've been following her when she was part of the junior matildas a couple of years ago in following her since she joined up with brisbane raw she has incredible raps from every single coach that she's ever worked under uh, and she's also just like, when we think about the kinds of fullback players that really fit into the Matildas, a kind of Ellie Carpenter, Steph Catley mold, Jamila Rankin is absolutely that kind of player already. And she's still just a teenager. So talking about heirs to thrones and and being able to create squad depth and things like that, like this is a naturally incredibly athletic, very talented fullback who I think is going to add a lot to this Matildas side. So really keen to see Rankin. But also as a Sydney FC fan, I have to say Remy Simpson, you know, she's been sort of in and around conversations about Matildas and young Matildas for quite a while, but hasn't really been able to make that step uh, to the next level. She tried at college for a little bit in the U S but she came back to Australia But I think maybe when she's surrounded by players in this kind of environment and she's reminded of the level that's required of her, I think she will be able to embrace that. And she's going to try to add different things to her game to hopefully take it to the next level and maybe even find a way to use the current W League season with Sydney as a platform to build and to move us overseas for the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on Steamson there, Sam. It sort of all went wrong for her a couple of years back. She moved Mm -hmm over to the US as you mentioned but I think it was in the second division of women's football in the US rather than college it was like it just didn't seem to work out and she moved to the Wanderers and that went even worse she became effectively a bench player which is really disappointing for a player who had such as you say high wraps on her went back to Sydney FC um, imagine a bit with her tail between her legs because it didn't work out and just cracked in and you never hear anyone say anything but positive things about Remy. She's a great character, always great to deal with and has clearly worked really hard, as you say, Sam, over these last couple of years. It was crucial to that Sydney FC um, attacking um, trio last season. And the other thing Tony said was some of these players aren't going to be ready, but you've got to test them out because some players surprise you and they make the jump straight away. Other players gradually find their feet and other players come into camp and you just go, they're not ready now. We'll uh, get them back developing at their clubs, and maybe they'll come in again later. But you only know by testing these players out, and I think that's the exciting thing. As we mentioned the Republic of Ireland is a, I think, a team where you you go in with a strong squad, but you actually do have the room to test out a few players, as opposed to if you if you're playing in Germany or the Netherlands or the USA, where you really do have to um, put in a strong squad to be able to compete. It, it gives you an opportunity to test some players out. And we've talked about this before. I think it's refreshing when you get fresh faces, new faces come into, come into camps and wanting to prove themselves and test things out. And, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It'll be good to, I think, have the Matildas back in camp again. A couple of players have had the chance to get a bit of confidence in terms of their club football as well, like their seasons are back up and running. So it's it's exciting. It'll be, um yeah. And as Angela mentioned, I think it's good that we're seeing a few of those players who've, Dropped out of contention, like your McCormick, Checker, Harrison, come back into the fold and get another shot at it. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting.
2: Has Simpson re signed for Sydney this season?
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. She was on a multi year deal, I think.
2: Mm. Ah, spicy. Because <clears throat> I was going to ask Sam, with your, your Simpson fan hat on, if you think that a move overseas is on the cards for her potentially. I'm- Perhaps if she has another stellar season at Sydney, I'm not sure. Because as Anna said, she's already sort of made those moves and they haven't quite panned out. So I'm sure mm. there would be a bit of caution there.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that she uh, has intentions along those roads, but I think maybe she's just been a little bit too young. You know, she's still only 21, which is something that a lot of people don't realise. Yeah, she's still really, really young. So I think the, the experiments overseas that she's done so far haven't panned out in the way that she would like. And perhaps it was an age thing, a development thing that meant that it it didn't quite work out. But I think now that she's coming into a more mature stage of her her career, she's starting to really think about the, the sort of moving into a professional setting. Um, and, you know, this kind of call up is also quite a massive incentive for players like this to be like, oh, so I actually am on radars at national team level. If I want to continue to be invited to camps like this, I need to make sure that I'm doing what they want, which is playing at the best possible level, the best possible club that you can. So I think she'll take this in her stride. And after this W League season, depending on contract talks, depending on what's going to happen with the w league as well she she may try and and take it to another level herself and give just give herself every possible opportunity to to grow into the kind of player that i think all of us have kind of assumed that she could be one day but maybe she hasn't quite reached it yet or another sneaky i (laughs) another sneaky side eye kind of moment for me was the fact that we've chosen the republic of ireland to play against and it just feels like it was like It was a secret agreed-upon deal for us to sort of flaunt Mary Fowler in their (laughs) faces. Like, you didn't want her type of energy, and now she's going to go and bang ten past them. That's what I'm looking for. You didn't
1: get them. (laughs) You didn't want (laughs) her. Just look at our our shiny new toy.
0: My sincerest apologies to our Irish friends. Friend of the pod, Kathleen McNamee. Sorry about
2: this. Sorry, (laughs) Sorry, Kathleen. <laughs> do don't, don't not sorry.
0: <laughs> don't listen to that bit. But um a couple of just final little notes on this squad. So, like I said, majority of the Olympic squad is back. Obviously, no Ivy Lewick, no Laura Brock because of their international retirements. No Kate Ford, the injury which kept her out of the first few Arsenal games is keeping her out of this squad as well. So she's going to rehab that injury in London. Then no Elise Callan Knight technically, but she and Carly Rossbacken have been invited into the camp to kind of go through some testing, sus where they're at, because they've both had really kind of rough uh, injury trots of late. So good to see that they're at least in the vicinity and in the conversation and still within the kind of fold, even if they're not necessarily getting any playing time. So that is the Tilly squad. That game against Ireland is September 22nd, 4 a.m., Eastern Standard Time, so should be a great one for us.
2: Uh, I was just going to say it will be one of the first game on d- t- Paramount Plus, Viacom, and friends. That whole <laughs> the gang, <laughs> the, the whole gang, It'll be the first game, which is really exciting, and we we'll get is to very see exciting. like what what that is a taste of things to come.
1: Four in the morning, so
2: isn't it? At times disgusting <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it is awesome that we will get to watch it on free to wear we do love to see that we've seen that the soccer is had a couple of games on channel 10 and they've done a pretty decent job with that so excited to see what they do with the tillies but let's talk about the dub y'all we have expansion we have more games we have finally well done everyone we oh. did it Wow, what a time. I just, I don't know how we But no, like for real, it's really exciting. This is something that everyone's kind of wanted for ages and it's finally come about. So this season, the Wellington Phoenix will have a side in the W League. The W League will grow to 10 teams. It will be a 14-round competition. We did some math it took us a while, but we did some math. So 14 round competition, five games per round should be really, really exciting stuff. We know that Wellington tried to get into the W League last season, but a couple of issues prevented them from joining. So now with the leagues being separate from FA, we've got this new team in, we've got expansion. The bye is gone. Bye, bye, bye indeed. And everything is just Really, really awesome. So, would love some thoughts and feelings on Wellington's admission into the W League.
1: Yeah, I think just a couple of the facts straight up. They're going to at least initially be based in Australia. They confirmed that, um, same as their A League team was last year, and will this year. Um, but they are hoping that in the second half of the season, they can get back home for some games at Wellington, like likely double headers. I think is what they're really hoping they can get um, back home. Uh, in terms of just a bit of stuff you got to know, they have to have at least seven Australian players. So that would be seven Australian, 11 Kiwi, and if they want any international players, that comes out of their Kiwi player allocation. So that's just effectively the deal that's been cut with FA. But also um, I think FA, from what we understand, the FA are going to pay the minimum salary um, amount to, to cover any, New Zealand internationals that are playing at other clubs, like your Hannah Wilkinson's or your um, Paige Satchels, those sorts of players that have already signed, Claudia Bunge that have already signed for other League clubs. So it's exciting. Um, I don't know if we'll see Annalie Longo sign for them. She was at their, <laughs> their announcements. So you're like, Ooh, is that going to happen? So you'd think coach and player announcements aren't too far off. You imagine there's been a, a lot of work going on behind the scenes to get this team up and ready and, yeah, set to play. But it's exciting. It's, the expansion is always an exciting thing. We know that the Mariners and Western United are set to follow suit um, next season, and MacArthur hope to join after the Women's World Cup. They've just been given a bit more time to get things sorted given they started a club <laughs> midway through a pandemic. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's good to see this progress. Um, it'll be good to have another team in. Getting rid of the bye is great, like guaranteed five games every week. I think that's what we want to see. You want to see more football. You want to see it more regularly. Um, you don't want three teams having a bye every week, as was happening at times last season. It's just not as fun. But it's exciting. Um, I think the big thing, and Sam and I have both spoken to Danny Townsend, who's the APL managing director, about this. And the thing I think women's football fans, players, etc., want to see is full home and away. And that that's clearly going to be a little way off. But both of these things do have to happen. We have to have expansion. You need to have teams committing to having teams in the W League, which is where they clearly want to get to eventually. Um, And, yeah, at least there's some steps happening. It had been five years or six years, actually, since we'd had a team come into the W League, and that was Melbourne City. So it's great to see this progress happening and it's actually starting this coming season. It's not getting pushed back. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited by it. I'm excited to see what the Knicks can offer. I'm excited to see how many Kiwi players they have and which players are actually going to be the ones that benefit because we've seen it in the A-League. We've seen players like um, at Western United, for example, you have a Dylan Perez or at MacArthur, you have a Denny John Rowe who have gone to these expansion clubs and had breakout seasons and really impressed. Like that's what you want to see in the W-League, more opportunities, more players featuring more games. And yeah, for me, it's only a positive, and as long as we just keep taking steps forward and we get closer and closer to home and away, it's it's excellent. Sam,
3: I'm also just really excited for New Zealand women's football fans because this is like this is the second professional women's sports team in the whole country, so. The- like the market there for women's sport is pretty much untapped when it comes to this kind of level. So I'm really excited and I think perhaps that was one of the big drivers behind why Wellington were given a licence for this season is because there is a huge community of football people there. There is a huge market that is willing and ready to pay money to attend games, to buy merch, to buy season tickets, to support this team. Um, and that's, that's really great and particularly in the lead up to 2023 you know like it's a it's a a co-hosted women's world cup and our two nations go back a very long time in terms of collaborating and cooperating in women's football so I think this is just this is a lovely sort of extension of that larger history and I'm really excited for people based in New Zealand to to really like come all out for it because we've seen when they have hosted international sports tournaments that they go absolutely bananas for it they support basically anyone who shows up so the fact that they now have another professional women's football team, a team that I think could actually be quite good because you're going to have quite a a few sort of youth national team players coming through the Football Ferns program using this Wellington Phoenix side um, to, to sort of as a platform for their own development probably going to be associated with New Zealand football in, other, in a couple of other ways as well in terms of their coaching staff and also financially. So I just think like it's it's a largely positive move, I think, from my perspective. And like, yes, you know, the the visa rule and whatever, giving more opportunities to New Zealand players or whatever, but like women's football is an ecosystem and a rising tide lifts all boats. And if we're able to bring across an entire new market and a new community to the W League, that can only be a good thing.
1: Sam, that actually ties really nicely into something Annalie Longo said, which was, um, I know there's the, you can't be if you can't see it, but in New Zealand it is actually the case because there hasn't, as you said, been that um, professional women's football team. So a lot of their players, if they've made the cut, they've gone overseas straight away to the W League, where not a whole heap of games have been getting shown in New Zealand, or they've gone overseas where until very recently with deals like the FAWSL deal, you wouldn't have seen it either. So now you genuinely can see these players take the leap. It's it's not too far from home. It's a, you know, initially they'll be based in Australia, but then they'll move to New Zealand. They can still, even if they go to another club, they've got those options. It it gives more players a chance to make a step up quicker and get key match minutes under their belts quicker. And as you say, Sam, it's it's just so important important to just get more quality players in this league. And yeah, some of the New Zealand football is going to benefit from that. But at the end of the day, we're all women's football fans. We want to see more quality players coming through. And it will benefit our players in here in Australia to be playing against better opposition week in, week out. And if that means that yeah, New Zealand give us more of a test when we play them in the odd international friendly or Olympics match or whatever, so be it, because ultimately we're all going to be better off. And the the better our players perform against quality players throughout the league, the more likely they are to get an opportunity elsewhere. So, yeah, it's ex- I think it's exciting times. It's, um, you could just tell how thrilled um, Longo was at the prospect of some of her younger, say, Ferns teammates or development prospects coming through. It's, uh, it's exciting.
2: Will Wellington Phoenix W League fans continue the tradition established in the A-League shirts off? after 80 minutes <laughs>
3: or oh, will they come up with something new <laughs> well these are a, a shout out to to friends of the pod, wellington phoenix fans i guess like come up with your own you know your own tribe your own your own traditions your own chants, your own flags like this is an opportunity to start a new fan culture in new zealand women's football as well that's what's also super exciting about this so yeah like don't borrow from the men's fucking just leave them to have their own thing come up with something cool something that's you something that makes the 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 players and the whole community feel like special and feel part of it i think that's really cool
0: the main thing we said it about a thousand times but it's just exciting that we have more w league to look forward to hopefully that starts november 13 if miss rona allows us but We'll obviously keep you posted with any and all changes if they so eventuate. Let's talk about the fossil because it was a, a bit of a chaos round, which we absolutely love to see. We had lots of Aussies involved, more so than last week, so... There was, there was some stuff to talk about. We start with West Ham drawing Aston Villa 1-0. Mackenzie Arnold was in goal. Emily Gilnick made her debut for Villa. Someone on Twitter said, I want a Mackenzie Arnold collegiate and an Emily Gilnick goal, even though those two things can't coexist. And in the end, we got neither. So um really sucks to, to be an Aussie fan in that respect. Angela, did you end up watching
2: this game? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, parts of it.
3: I don't know. I did.
2: I, I I have observed the game. Thoughts, feelings, vibes? <laughs> um, really happy that my girl Adriana got a goal. Love that for her. Annoyed that West Ham just couldn't hold on. Just, uh, and it was like credit to Aston Villa. So West Ham's goal was basically handed to them by Aston Villa. Asante sort of accidentally kicked the ball back towards um, Hannah Hampton. And then... Lisa Evans just swept in, passed it back to Adriana Leon, who put it in the goal. So it wasn't like a very spectacular goal or anything like that. Whereas Aston Villa's goal, I think, was a bit more interesting. I don't know. And straight away, Makazan went up for offside, but it was not offside, unfortunately. Cannot blame the referee assistants for that one. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's It's hard. It was a good game, it was fun but it's hard to get a read exactly on where West Ham are at at the moment. I think Aston Villa are looking a lot sharper this season and I'm quite excited for them when they're not, when they're not playing my team. Um, Macca had another really good game, I think, um, and it's it's promising. I'm just hoping, I guess it's a week-to-week thing for me. With Macca, the main thing is building that consistency up because we know that she's a good keeper and that she can put in really um, good performances, but it's just about yeah knowing, trusting that she'll be doing that week in week out um and the other thing we talked about there's prepod set pieces she, just, she does not love a set piece um my exact descriptor was that she sort of just a flangs her body through the air <laughs> towards the ball and she got really lucky there was a set piece in the first I think it was towards the start of the second half yeah, where she got real lucky, but I think it just sort of like grazed her, and then someone else cleared it out. But yeah, perhaps something to work on. But very amusing
3: to, to watch for the time being. Um, Sam, what was your analysis? It was a weird. It was a weird game, wasn't it? It was a. It felt like a game of two halves. Like West Ham were really good in the first half, and then just absolutely fell flat in the second when Aston Villa started to actually, you know, pass the ball to each other and decide to go forward, which was a, a, a new thing for them. Um, Gilnick, you Gilnick know, made her league debut, well, not a league debut because she's played in the league before. She played for Liverpool, but made her club debut for Aston Villa. She didn't really get into the game that much um, for most of it. She started to sort of really um, assert her, I guess, her physical strength and, and power towards the back end of the game, um, trying to play the sort of tall forward hold-up kind of player, using her body in throw-ins to shove off opposition but she, I mean, she got off a plane like 10 days ago or something, and she's been in quarantine. So I don't think anyone can really blame her for being a bit rusty. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Maka did pretty well. She made a couple of, like, real good saves, including, like, a, a big strong left hand in the second half to, to keep out a strike. Um, but, yeah, like, Angela, I'm sort of with you. I'm like, I don't know what to think about this West Ham team. I, I really want to make a yell to come in because I just feel like she's a calming... It's like she's like a comfort blanket to me i just need her there so that she can settle everything else around her because she's so she's reliable you know what she's going to deliver all the time and she's going to do it consistently and i feel like that's something that west ham really desperately need and it's something that i need personally spiritually existentially in my own life so i'd like to see her come in as soon as possible please um but yeah it's it was a it was a weird game but credit to, to Remy Allen, who was the, the goal scorer for Aston Villa, the captain of Aston Villa, after previously being the captain of Leicester and getting them promoted to the Women's Super League this season. She's moved across to Villa now. Um, and that's two goals and two games for her. And she scored in stoppage time with a header, that sort of totally wrong-footed Macca. So I don't know.
1: I think you guys have summed up exactly what we want to see from West Ham, and it's consistency and reliability. I think um, it's hard to trust them after last season. I know new managers, new players, a lot of change, but dropping points was something they did pretty regularly. Like that was the one thing you could count on them to do last season was drop points from winning positions or, you know, not take advantage of their chances and then cop late sucker punches. Um, And I think that's one thing that getting Tamika Yalop hopefully and will do is, as you say, Sam, you can count on her. She's such a good runner. She works so hard, and I think that lifts the players around her. When you see a player that can just go and go and go, she can create goals, she can burst forward and get her foot or head to a ball that she has no right to do. (laughs) Like, that's the sort of player she is. And I think when you're getting into that, as previously defined on the far post pod, quinky bum time in a game. She is the sort of player you can count on to do those gut runs back and to to really put in the hard yards and to inspire her teammates to do the same. Um, because copping late goals, they would they would be devastated with that. West Ham, like fantastic work from Villa, who clearly never gave up, and they they look uh, seriously improved under Carla Ward. Uh, this like already, which is great for them, but um, West Ham would be bitterly disappointed with that, especially given the manner of some of their losses last season. So, yeah. Bit to amend.
2: I just found it really funny after Leon scored. Um, the commentator was like, he might not be smiling, but I think on the inside, Oli Harder is. And I'm like, I think he's just waiting for West Ham to fuck this up. <laughs> he's probably <laughs> like, we can't celebrate yet. We need a buffer. I know what you lot are like. Anyway, um, but yeah, interesting tie. And also I just wanted to touch on, I don't think we'll go too in depth into Leicester. United, but seeing Martha Thomas score for United. I'm glad she's doing well. I'm glad that she's having a nice time. It's fine. Missy
0: Martha Stewart. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, An all-time classic joke of this pot, may I say, but no, Martha Martha Stewart, Martha Thomas was on the score sheet for Man United. They defeated Leicester 3-1. Brighton were 5-0 winners over Birmingham, just an enormous win some more Aussie-centric games. Chelsea beat Everton 4-0. As we mentioned, Sam Kerr scored the double, Beth England, Fran Kirby, all your kind of favourite characters, back and better than ever. But Everton, well, what are you doing? What you do- Does anyone want to diagnose Everton after two games, Sam?
3: Yes, and I am going to say that we can't diagnose them yet, basically, because this is like when we think about the – Massive turnover that Everton have actually had to a lot of their sort of starting spine players. This is pretty much a new side. Like they are going to take a lot of time to gel and to get used to each other. And Emma Hayes was asked about this after the game by a couple of journalists, and she said the same thing. She was like, "Some of the players that I have at Chelsea have been with me for like six or seven years. Like this team has been together for a long time. It has taken a long time for us to be able to play this way and for these players to gel as well as they have. This Everton side, they have a, a, an incredible team on paper, an incredible squad on paper, but." They just don't have the chemistry yet. And that's fine because this is their second game together in a competitive environment. It's going to take some time for them to get used to one another, to understand the ins and outs of each other's styles of play, and to also get used to the ideas that Willie Kirk is bringing forward and how he's wanting to shape his own style and system depending on the kinds of players that he has at his disposal now. So, you know, I think Everton are going to get better over the course of the season. I think that maybe... They, they they might not crack Europe this season, but if they're able to start to really build some momentum and start to nail down their identity as a team and who their sort of major players are, I think next season they're probably going to be one to beat.
1: Geez, don't you love that? I know it's not gone their way these first couple of rounds, but that they have ambition, like that they're talking about ambition. They're yeah. talking about champions league. Like that's, I think that's what every football fan wants, whether they're following men's or women's football, they want their club to have ambition, not just be happy to be like mid table or finishing sixth or whatever. Like you, you've got to have that. Like Everton already had a, a very good season last year. You want to build on that. You want to be better. Why not give you, your team that sort of challenge and, They've fallen short initially and, yeah, clearly there's a hell of a lot to work out. Um, but they'll back Willie Kirk and do that. As you say, Sam, it takes time to get the chemistry, to get players working out how to play together. I think initially they've just got to stem the bleeding a bit first and then they can figure out how their flair is going to work as well because you can't keep copping these big score. Lines. It feels like a conversation we had about the Matildas, right? You can't keep copping big score lines. They'll have to just knuckle down, get that sorted. And... Uh, yeah, and then back themselves in that the rest will follow.
3: And that's not to say that Chelsea were bad. Chelsea were fantastic. This is the reigning champions. It's like, what did you actually expect? Was you know, like uh, I feel like people sort of underestimate actually how good Chelsea are. And the fact that they're coming off a loss against Arsenal last week, like they came into this game with a point to prove to themselves, to other, to the rest of the league, and to Emma Hayes as well. Cause I think she was really disappointed with the way they performed against Arsenal. So yeah, I mean, it was a it was a characteristically slick powerful performance from Chelsea and coming up against a team that hasn't clicked yet. Like it doesn't matter if it's Everton. It could have been a Man United. It could have been a city. It could have been anyone like a team that doesn't click. If a Chelsea side comes at you and they are on fire, you're going to fall behind.
1: They were breathing fire as well, weren't they, Sam? Like you could tell they were fuming. Like the the players like Kerr and Kirby, who they brought on as subs in that first game started. It's like, well, let's just go at them. Like we're mad. (laughs) Let's go for it. Let's go for the jugular. Let's prove a point. Put the foot down we're going to make someone hurt today. <laughs> That's what they did. And it's poor Everton that have <laughs> copped it two games in a row. So they'll be right.
0: They'll be right. There's your diagnosis. But um, speaking of the, the team that made Chelsea angry for this game, Arsenal continued on their merry way. But Reading 4 nil. Catley starts, which we love to see. Williams on the bench. We don't love as much. But it was very much the mead Amar show. That is better as a visual joke, not an audio joke. But they were sensational. Beth Mead, Vivian, Meadima. It was just sensational areas from Arsenal. Anyone have any quick thoughts on the Gunners?
2: They're just so much fun to watch right now. Oh, so like just I watched the first half of this game and they're so, I don't know, like they are a side that has definitely clicked in not a high, like a huge amount of turnover, but like you mentioned, like Mead has brought herself to this new level um, and Mead M- M- she's still just doing her thing. But I really love watching how Arsenal, I don't know, there's probably more technical terms for describing this, but they're just so fluid. Um, and when players shift, they move around each other and it's just like a a wonderful little jigsaw puzzle to figure out. And it was so silky, a lot of the play.
1: And, yeah, I'm just just really vibing it I'm having a good time watching Arsenal they seem a lot seem a lot more defensively solid as well like having Jen Beatty back is big Leah Williamson being locked in at centre-back and having a consistent partner there is great they know they've got Wubbenmoye on the bench as well as an option they know Catley can shift into that position but they're not doing that they're playing players where they're suited Beatty and Williamson at centre-back Catley at left-back where she's one of the best in the world at the same time not putting Katie McCabe's nose out of joint. They're playing her further up the pitch. She's still starting. You're not upsetting key players in the dressing room. Like, seems to be working. Beth Mead, I think, would have had real fire in the belly coming into this season after missing out on the Olympics. And the other benefit, I guess, the the silver lining of not going to tournaments is you get that preseason. You get a chance to impress under the new manager. You really get to work hard put your best foot forward and she's done that to her credit. She looks well and truly at her best. I think she had a couple of injury concerns last season as well. Just, I mean, they're fit. That's the big thing, isn't it? Like they're not missing heaps of players like happened last season, which was just a disaster in terms of injuries to key personnel. Um, Steph Catley, probably not her best game, but grew into it and that's okay because she just needs to get more and more game time. We want to see her, um, I guess, ride these ups and downs and uh, get better and get used to playing with these players. That's, I think that's, that's crucial for them. We know they love to play with flair. They're beautiful to watch when they're, when they're on song arsenal, but I think just getting things right defensively gives you the confidence to be able to press forward and attack and, I guess, not look quite. So I know Meadham is still scoring, but they don't look quite as one-dimensional. She doesn't look isolated. They look like they've got players who can provide options and who can pop up and score. And I think a lot of that confidence does come from knowing that you're not just going to cough up easy goals early on and make life difficult for yourself.
3: Beth Mead is the perfect example of that, Harrow. Like, it's just, it seems like this is going to be the, the inverse of the summer of Kote Rojas is going to be the winter of Beth Mead. It seems like this is a renaissance season for her. She's sort of re-emerging from the shell of who she was last season. And I think it's a real credit to Jonas Edeval as well. Like the fact that it's it's that it must be so tempting as a new head coach to come into a club and just want to sweep everything to the side and bring in all your own new ideas, new, like new players, a new system, new tactics, new everything. But it seems like what he's done in a really, really short space of time is he has completely understood what makes Arsenal a really good side in terms of the players that he already has. And he's, change things very slightly to ensure that they are able to flourish in those roles like you were saying harry like playing players in their natural positions where they are the best in the world at where they're most comfortable in for a new head coach trying to implement new systems that is surely what you would want in that sort of bridging phase you'd want players to be doing as well as they possibly can in that context so that he can start to tweak and and shape things in his own kind of image in the way that he wants when eventually he gets a little bit more time to think about other players that he could bring in, in transfer windows and such like that, so yeah, I mean they are—they remind me of the Arsenal of old. Like I feel like the last maybe two, three seasons, they haven't quite had that sort of fizzy spirit to them that we usually associate with Arsenal. Um, but under Jonas, it seems like they've really recaptured that kind of energy and that kind of dynamic. And I think it's it's a combination of different kinds of inputs and and influences. But I think if if he's the sort of the guiding uh, principle here then he's he's done a really clever job in being able to maximize what he has actually at his disposal and ensure that everyone is fit and firing and feeling confident
2: just one final thing I love Kim Little she's the best I'm so happy to see her back in form but also I didn't realize that she's retired from international football which I think is really rude of her little why
0: um but no and then final spicy spicy result from the FAWSL Tottenham beating Man City 2-1 we literally spent most of last episode talking about how scary good Man City was and then they went and lost but as we alluded to earlier there was some controversy with this one Angela did you want to explain it a little bit more add some nuance to your you love to see it
2: yeah, so I suppose the goal that put Tottenham ahead, so it was a free kick, came in, I think it was a free kick, <laughs> um, sailed in and Ian jumped up in the air, didn't control her arms, hit her hand and it sort of deflected on the way down and then who scored the goal?
3: It hit Horton. Horton. Yeah, oh, and, then, no. and then it deflected off the post and then hit the goalkeeper and went in. It was a so goal yeah, yeah. and it was it was proper like hand of God kinds of areas from Ayan as well. Like how anyone who was actually in charge of making decisions in this game didn't spot that is extraordinary to me.
1: Extra- it falls into the category from last week where you go, you don't need VAR to sort that out. Like how has no one yeah. picked that up in the first yeah. place? <laughs> it's one of those ones, right? Yeah. 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 But
2: I think also like as Sam noted in the group chat, like the city were peppering the goal and really I think should have had much more of a buffer than they did there was like a real missed moment from Engeldahl I think in early in the second half a lot of missed moments um and they were basically dominating so it might just be a case of like going back to the drawing board and working on the conversion
3: I, I don't know but yeah it was a, it was a weird one I mean, Tottenham's goalkeeper, Becky Spencer, also had an absolute ripper game. She made a couple of really, really good saves. And yeah, I mean, it was... I don't know if it's going back to the drawing board for city so much as just like, sometimes the ball just doesn't go in, you know, like they hit the post two or three times that it, it sailed over the crossbar a bunch of times. It was just like centimeters and, and just moments and, and spins of the ball that meant that it just, it went one way and not another. And sometimes that just happens in football, you know, and Gareth Taylor said as much after the game as well. He was sort of like, we, we were in complete control of that game. We ha- we're in control of our own destinies here. We shouldn't, like we are to blame basically for being in this position where they score from an absolutely freakish moment and end up winning the game. But we shouldn't have let that happen in the first place. We should have been far and away. There should have been daylight between City and Tottenham by the end of that game. And it was broken up as well by a couple of major injuries too um, that sort of stopped the flow and and the momentum on both sides. So it was a very weird game overall. Um, and I think as we said, sort of said in the in the preview episode for this season, things in this league can be so close that like a result like this could actually determine the title this early. So I'd be really curious to see how city are going to respond to this. Um Yeah. I, I don't think it's a, it's a city problem. I think it's just a universe doesn't want you to win the game today. Problem.
1: <laughs> well, it's like Chelsea against Arsenal last week, right? You saw Emma Hayes. You can yeah. just tell the look on her face. It was like, it's just not going to happen for us today. And I know she blew up about VAR and that, but it's funny how quickly, things go, like you have one title contender. They they probably should have gone on to win against Arsenal when they initially equalised, but mm. Arsenal scored against the run of play and had the, the offside that wasn't called. And then this week you go and Man City probably should have put themselves ahead and then probably should have at least got a point, but for a freakish moment that was really a, a refereeing error. Like, it's funny. The sw- we talked about swings and roundabouts last week and it's literally happened to one contender one week and then another the next um Maybe it will happen to Arsenal next week.
3: It's good though. It makes it exciting, right? Like at the end of the of the second round, Brighton are top of the league. Like that's awesome. That is so exciting. And so, like, this this is it actually feels more open. I mean, obviously, as the league goes on and you know other more teams play each other, that'll sort of flatten out a little bit. But right now, There's like, there's a good couple of teams who are up and about who can actually cause some serious damage here. And that's like, that's what you want, particularly in a season like this one, which is the most visible in terms of its broadcasting, in terms of its social media outreach, in terms of all that sort of stuff. Like you want to be able to reach out to different kinds of viewers, different communities, different fan groups, and get them excited about this. And particularly neutral fans, people who are new to the game, you want them to come along and to watch these absolutely nutso games that go. one way or the other that start to like inspire passion and rage and you know get you really involved that's what it's all about also kaya
2: simon started that was nice she didn't do much but good for her
3: and alana kennedy started it as well she got her debut start for melbourne melbourne city for manchester city
0: that is the for whistle chat i need to stop saying for whistle but i genuinely can't but no, very exciting. We want the chaos to continue because it makes everything just fun and enjoyable. So let's skip ahead to some how goods to round off what has been a very
1: large episode of the Far Post. Harrow, do you want to offer up a how good? Yeah, my how good, the summer of Cote Rojas. It's back in sky blue. Cote Rojas, one of our highlights of last W League season, Um well, Maria Jose Rojas, Cote Rojas, has signed with Sydney FC for the upcoming season, which is exciting. You like seeing good players stick around the league. Um, I think she'll be a really good influence on some of those young players that Sydney have, have got. just adds another dimension to their attack. Really fun to watch. Good for her. Seems a great move. Um, I'm not sure what her situation is in terms of wanting to get back in the Chilean national team, but playing for one of the, the top couple of teams in the W League And if she performs, surely can't do any harm, particularly heading towards 2023, if those are ambitions. But regardless, great player to watch, great character in the league. How good? There's a player that
0: brings chaos wherever she goes and the good kind of chaos uh, it usually is. Sam, uh, how good?
3: Yeah, sticking with W League, my how good this week was the announcement of the new five-year CBA for W League players. It's a really exciting and really important moment for the league and for the women's game here. CBAs are incredibly um, important in terms of player rights and um, sort of ma- ensuring in writing uh, that players have access to certain standards and and fundamentals that a lot of other women's leagues around the world don't actually have. So we're we're really really lucky in Australia that we have a very strong players' union in the PFA, and they've been working really hard over the course of the last five to six years to ensure that W League players and Matildas um, have some of the best off-field standards of any women footballers in the world. So the new CBA just to give a very very quick run through goes for five years which is over the course of the new broadcast deal with uh, channel 10 and Paramount plus uh, which is uh, really good because it ensures that there is a um, there is a base level of investment there that will cover it um, it has guaranteed that the salary floor for the first time is going to be actually raised to a decent level. Um, previous to this, it it was, it was never really a part of any kinds of discussions or considerations at clubs from what I understand. Um, and it was often used as an excuse to pay players a lot less than what they were worth. So they've raised the salary floor and that means that they are going to also be incrementally raising wages. That's going to be starting at a minimum of around $17,000 this season, which is great. It's going to continue per year as the league grows over the next five years, um, there are going to be, and very unique to the W league as well, as opposed to the A league CBA, there is, are going to be uh, yearly reviews for the W league CBA, which means that in the context of the larger growth of the women's game, the W league players and the PFA and the clubs are going to be able to come together and renegotiate terms based on investment, based on sponsorships, based on lots of different things that are going to grow very rapidly over the course of this agreement. So that's really exciting for them to be able to do that and to be empowered to do that now in the form of this CBA. And the final thing, which both um, a lot of the players that I've spoken to about it are really excited about is that they have sort of equality of access to a lot of kinds of facilities and staff and other resources that they haven't really had before. So, for example uh i've been i was told by ali green from sydney fc that they will no longer be playing on artificial surfaces which is great uh they're now going to have access to the same kinds of change rooms as a league players they're going to have access to the same club staff as a league players physios doctors nutritionists all that sort of thing um and also just sort of more general um kinds of like travel arrangements and minimum stands in terms of accommodation like all that sort of stuff like that- goes into being a footballer off the field. That's all stuff that's baked into this CBA as well. So it's really, really exciting for the players. It's really important for the players as well, because it's this is the kind of thing where when we talk about the W League competing with other leagues around the world, you know, footballers aren't just footballers on the field. their football footballers in the rest of their lives. And so the, what the W League can offer in this way is making sure that the rest of their lives are basically taken care of. So a lot of other leagues around the world, the NWSL, the FAWSL, they don't actually have CBAs. They don't have minimum standards built into their contracts and into their collective bargaining with players. So this is what makes the W League powerful. It's what makes it attractive to players as well for them to come over and to know that they're supported, that they're protected by signing up here. And it's also going to be something that as the league continues to grow, it's going to go to a full home in a way and eventually to a, a full-time professional season. Already having these foundations in place means that it could actually become one of the best leagues in the world. Like the APL, the clubs, they weren't lying when they said that that was an ambition of theirs. And I think setting these kinds of foundations off the field means that that is much, much more achievable. So CBA, how bloody good? Join your union.
0: we're just like get a jab join your union let's fucking go (laughs) um that's that's officially what this podcast is but no i think one of the things about the cbas or the collective bargaining agreements because some people don't know what cba actually means um they're not sexy but we as fans directly benefit from players being able to dedicate their time to their football and being treated equally and getting all this good stuff meaning that they can perform on the pitch so not sexy for the regular fan but it is a really really good thing so it is a a massive how good
2: Angela a final how good my how good we're all kitted out with mics finally I don't know (laughs) if that I'm just really stoked I'm sure regular listeners of this pod can tell you that my my sound quality has not always been good because I've been using a call center headset um and we finally, these mics have been in quarantine for like six months. It's been such an ordeal. Shout out to Jamie at ESPN who got them to us. Thank you so much. I'm just so stoked. I'm going to set up an ASMR channel. It's going to be like reactions to games in real time, but like ear to ear whispering. No, I'm not going to do that. But anyway, it's too much power, too much power. But yes, very, very excited to have, um, yeah. Some, some new toys, I guess. Yeah. How good. Hopefully it, it pays off for listeners or it could be a terrible mistake as we may have just seen.
0: You you can hear our takes in crystal clear quality and that could be a bad thing or a great thing. We don't know. We're going to find out, but um, that's enough from us today. It was a, a big one. We thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode remember you can find us on espn.com.au and the espn app we're also on spotify apple and google wherever you get your podcasts make sure you subscribe wherever you do listen so you get all our episodes straight into your feed If you like what we do, leave a review. And remember, there are some other really great ESPN podcasts. I know that Beyond the Lead has had a couple of women's football uh, episodes, so definitely check that out. If you want to chat to us specifically, we're at The Far Post Pod on all social media, so leave us a line. Drop us a line. I don't know. We'll find out. But until next week, see ya's.
2: guys.